from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. People thought, oh, this is coming out because chlorophyll is being broken down and now the red or yellow is visible. That is not true. This is something that that is peculiarly American. Yes, it is. And that's why you have this red American foliage. It's the light. You know, it's just so amazing. This was one of my eureka moments. I'm Sarah Fenske. The St. Louis area finally seems to have reached peak fall color. The trees are positively radiant with yellows, oranges, and reds. And that may have you wondering, what took so long? We're more than a week into November. Isn't blazing color more typically associated with October? Could climate change be a factor? Well, our guest today has answers to that question and many more questions. Suzanne Renner is an honorary professor of biology at Washington University. Suzanne, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So it feels like fall coloring came late to St. Louis this year, did it? (laughs) Not really. There is a lot of variation. I happen to have followed two red maple trees right in front of my house for 20 years now, and I took, take photos when they're at peak foliage. And so this year is not exceptionally late if you compare it over the past 20 years. Really? So maybe it feels later than last year, but that in the long sweep of time isn't saying what we think o- it's saying. Over the past 20 years in St. Louis, there's no statistical change in the fall, in the onset of the peak fall foliage. Wow. Now, if we look at New England, there has been a change over the past 70 years. It's moved back, as you said, from late October into mid-November by about a week, six days plus minus. I understand this kind of caught you personally off guard this year. It did. It sure did, because my husband and I, we drove, you know, first Niagara Fall and then into Vermont precisely to see the fall foliage. And we were like 10 days too early because we were there on the 1st of October and it was really nothing changing. So everything was green at that point? It was. Oh, we tried very hard. I took some pictures, but it was really nothing. So I feel like if even a biologist can't get this right, there's no hope for the rest of us. Is there just no rhyme or reason to when leaves turn? No, there is a lot of rhyme and reason. There is. So why do they turn? This, the main point is that these colors, the yellow, the red, are a kind of sunscreen. And they protect the cells in which, you know, chlorophyll is being broken down. The tree is doing everything it can to get the nutrients out before it will shed those leaves. And so protecting these cells in this sensitive stage when a lot is already broken down is very important. So you get the sunscreen against bright light in the fall and also against frost. Okay, so when a leaf turns red, that's its way of, of protecting itself right. so it can, it can hoard exactly. those nutrients. Exactly, and the red color is not like a side product. In the earlier days, you know, people thought, oh, this is coming out because chlorophyll is being broken down and now the red or yellow is visible. That is not true. The red is actually a, a pigment that is costly for the plant to produce, okay, and not every plant can do it. And so like a red maple, like what you're holding up here, this is a plant that has extra good sunscreen. Yeah, that's exactly right. And so this, as shown experimentally, this sunscreen will allow these cells to pull back nutrients for a couple days longer, as would be the case in a green leaf. Okay, and it's been shown experimentally. And so what is the, the net result of that, if it can pull it back a few days longer? Yeah. 
<laughs> you know, what the tree needs to do in the fall is get ready for winter. So it's going to shed its leaves. So to get as much out as it possibly can is a good thing. Okay. Yeah, that, that, that's the key point. And particularly if that tree is stressed for nitrogen or phosphor, that is under, it's particularly important to get those substances out. And we have just shown this in a new study, the costliness of the red color. If you think that if you have nitrogen available easily, Mm-hmm. There's no, you don't bother with putting in red color. And that's what we have found. There are species such as the peas and other legumes that have bacteria that help them fix nitrogen. And those species never turn red. Oh, that's interesting. And so that helps explain why maybe maples are often ablaze with red and other yes. leaves are not. Yes, right. And this dogwood, which I brought here, is, I think, especially stressed for nitrogen. And it's really dark, bright red, as you see. <laughs> this poor dogwood. So it needed a very thick layer of sunscreen. That allows it to pull back more of those nutrients before those leaves drop absolutely. off. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what about we often see leaves that are yellow, and those yellow <laughs> leaves don't always end up turning red. What role That's is the right. yellow playing That's right. there? It's quite a different, chemically a very different uh, pigment. Yeah. It's less costly than the red. And this pigment is yeah, easy, more, more readily available to lots of species, right? So, yeah, it also provides some sunscreen, but less, less well than the red color does. So we're talking today to Suzanne Renner. She has been studying these things for years. She is uh, the former director of the Munich Botanical Garden and Herbarium there in Germany and is now an honorary professor of biology at Washington University. If you have questions or comments about what you're seeing with the fall foliage, you can give us a call at 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. You can also send us a tweet at STL on air. And so, Suzanne, what you're saying about fall not actually being later in St. Louis this year. You've done the research on this. I imagine this comes as a surprise to many people because it feels like fall is coming later. And that jives with what we think we know about climate change. But I understand you've actually studied this. Right, right. And if you, Sarah, if you think about it, in the spring, plants do push their leaves out earlier and do flower earlier, no doubt about it. Mm -hmm. But there is also selective advantage to that because if you flower earlier, you get pollinated earlier, you have your fruits earlier, you know, you are out there doing things. But in the fall, what advantage if you ha- would this tree have if it held on to its leaves? None. Because then the frost comes, you know, it would no longer be possible to pull up water from the ground because the ground is now frozen. Okay, and s- if the leaves were still hanging on there mm-hmm. in whatever color, they would lose water by evaporation. So it would be risky. The plant needs to shed its leaves. So the only... You know, sensible thing to do is pull back your nutrients as much as you can and shed the leaves. There's no selective advantage to holding on to your leaves. So you mentioned this study that you did. There has been a lot of talk that with climate change that we might see a delay. People are saying up to three weeks by the end of the century. Your study found something much different. Tell us about this model you created and and what it shows. And this is based on lots and lots of plots that have been observed, uh, forest plots you know, that have been observed for long periods of time, 40 years or longer, most of them, of course, in Europe and the U.S. And these plots show with, you know, solid observations that the change in the fall color is quite limited. Okay. Hmm. And so whilst it's very strong, I mean, the earlier flowering and flushing of leaves in the spring is very strong, but in the fall, there's little change. And so if we model this based on the existing data and with the limited correlation with temperature in the fall, 
then we can project that towards the end of the century, 2100, there will be just very limited change in the fall foliage. And, and the reason that you're saying that, you, you really went in depth on what's going on with these leaf functions. Why would these hotter temperatures not push uh, because, that back? Because, Sarah, it's not the temperature in the fall. In the spring, warm temperature is good. You know, you do your thing. It's great. But in the fall, the plants will go by the day lengths, not the temperature. It would be much too risky to rely on temperature because, you know, you get that cold air coming from Canada or you have some warm days. But what you need to do is get the nutrients out and shed the leaves. Okay, so the reliable signal is not the temperature. It's the day lengths, the shortening of the day lengths, which is the same. That's Re- something that's not going to change, even with what we're seeing with climate change. Exactly. And so your model, you predict that by the end of the century, there may be a slight change. But we're not talking about weeks. We're talking about just a couple days. That's exactly right. It makes a big difference for, you know, when we want to know how much CO2 is going to be pulled out by these photosynthesizing forests that we hopefully let you know, stand instead of cutting them down. It makes a big difference how long their leaves will be out. So this projection influences the gigatons of carbon dioxide, uh, carbon that are being going to be pulled down from the air. So these models, our models have big impact on on those predictions. So a big impact with what you found here. You guys released this study, uh, you and your co-authors. This was last year. What kind of reaction did you get to this? We did get criticisms also. (laughs) We got a chance to reply to the criticism. Yeah, I mean, this kind of flies in the face of conventional wisdom here. But, I mean, this is a very well-respected publication. You and your co-authors, you you did your homework. Do you feel like nobody came in with anything that made you think twice about this model? That's what I feel. (laughs) So something else that you've studied that I think is fascinating, you have looked at why the colors of trees in Europe are different than the trees in America. And in some cases, we're talking about the same tree. It's not, oh, America has all these maples. You're not seeing that in Germany. Tell us what's going on here. Are the tree colors that different in Europe? Yes, they are. (laughs) Yes, they are. We've really shown this, you know, looking at the data for 1,530 some species of trees and shrubs and also some climbers. And so the the American uh, flora, the American plants, a much higher percentage of American plants turns red than seen in Europe. And this has been noted by botanists and also travelers for a long time. Yeah, this goes back to the 1880s that people were making notes about this. Exactly. So what is going on here? It's the light. You know, it's just so amazing. This was one of my eureka moments. So America particularly northeastern New England and the Midwest, you have in September, as shown by solid data over the past 100 years, a higher light intensity coming in per square meters. This can be measured in watts per square meters, okay? And I think it has to do with less cloud coverage. Mm. You have a wonderful bright light here in the fall, brighter than in Europe at the same altitude. If you compare Boston and Rome, the intensity of the irradiation coming in in September in Boston is significantly higher than it is in Rome hmm. or Madrid, for that matter. So these sort of sunny, glorious St. Yes. Louis fall days, I mean, we're not having one today, but we certainly have had a couple recently. I feel like yesterday was just perfect. This is something that, that is peculiarly yes. American. Yes, it is. And that's why you have this red American foliage and everybody travels to Vermont. It is really an American phenomenon and, and Canadian <laughs> phenomenon. And so you're talking about the same trees in Europe yeah. as in America. Related. Th- closely they, related. Closely, closely related. 
isolated, that they mm-hmm. act differently here. And yes, so if you yes, transplanted one of these European no. trees. Yeah, it cannot change in one tree. You cannot have an individual. If that individual, like this red maple here or this dogwood, mm-hmm. is capable of producing this expensive pigment, this red pigment, you can't transplant that. And it, it will not do it in Munich or, you know, it can't change in one individual. But this is something you'd see over time. Over generations. Okay. So over generations, European trees transplanted here, they would over give us that, that amazing in, red color. In short, in, in short life, plants like Arabidopsis or some, you know, herb, short life, you could study it. But in these trees, it would take too long for, for us to, you know, observe the, the change. <laughs> so this is so interesting. And I can tell just how much you're fascinated by the subject of leaves, how much thought you've put into this. You're now living in St. Louis full time after years of, of long distance relationships, living in Germany, spending some time in St. Louis. Um, now that you're here, do you feel like these glorious American falls? Is, is this one of the benefits of being here? Yes. This, that's a, yes, that's a flat sky, yes. Good, yes. It's gorgeous. (laughs) September and October in the Midwest are just gorgeous. So I think that's something a lot of us take for granted. This is maybe a reminder that uh, we have it really good here, at least as far as fall goes. (laughs) Well, Suzanne Renner, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This episode was produced by Sarah Fenske, with audio engineering by Aaron Dorr, and production assistance from Jane Mather Glass. It was mixed and edited by Jane. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. If you learned something new from today's episode, consider leaving us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the easiest way to help people discover our show. We appreciate it. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.